All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Boombastic Cast. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Welcome back to the audience, but more so importantly, welcome back to the man, the myth, the legend, Alexander the Hockenstein. How you doing, Alexander? I'm doing good. How's everybody out in Spotify land? Oh, we're on iHeartRadio. We're on iTunes. We're on fucking, you name it, we're there, brah. We're there, brah. Everybody. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're even on places we don't even know the names of. We're in other planes, other existences. There's fucking alien people in top hats somewhere listening to Boombastic Cast. Favorite episode? The Kevin Eastman episode, ladies and gentlemen. So, Alex, where are you coming from? Good to have you back, first of all. I know Nevada has been missing you heavily since you left, but tell the folks uh, where you've been at. Well, I was um, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. The city of sin. Um, was it that before you got there? Or? No, no. I made sure that it was the city of sin when I got there. Um, yeah, I was on set of Bikers versus Werewolves, and right. uh, yes, uh, the title kind of gives away the uh, the plot of the film, uh, which is you have uh, two biker gangs. One is bikers, uh, human bikers, and one is bikers who are werewolves, and shit happens. Spoiler alert! You know, what I, mean? uh, I love seeing that. My favorite. Who, who do we have in this for talent outside of Alexander Hawk? Well, I mean, you have me um, uh, playing Deputy Wilson, and I get to work with uh, Jake Busey, uh, oh. who plays the sheriff. So I spend most of my time working with him. Um, also, uh, we had Michael Perrier and uh, James Duvall, and. Uh, both of them were in that. We also had Robert Lasardo and oh. um, past guests. Much love to Robert. Yeah, Robert's and, the man. And, and I mean, it was a lot of fun. I and mean, we, uh, I think, it, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. I mean, it's it's a fun mashup, um, and uh, I think people will enjoy uh, enjoy it uh, if you like. You know, B horror movies with werewolves and bikers, and you, and you like you know fun mashups. This will be the movie for you. Is Jake Busey a biker? No, no, uh, not that I know of. Uh, he didn't uh, say that he was. Um, he uh, he he was the sheriff, so uh, he didn't have to you know ride in on the bike. So he was all good. So uh, you, you so you were within his 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 pantry of people. Yeah. It was me, uh, another uh, gentleman, Nick Ford, good guy, and right. myself. Uh, we were the only deputies, and then, of course, the sheriff, which was Jake. Jake Busey, very good dude. Uh, met him at Rock and Shock one year. Really good dude. Um, talented gentleman, you know what I mean? But I know a whole bunch of cool stuff. The Frighteners always pops into my mind. Uh, I think that might be my favorite of all Jake Busey vehicles, if not next to uh, motorcycles and werewolves. You know what I mean? That's the name of it, right? Oh, well, bikers versus werewolves, but you get Oh, I'm from a foreign land. My, <laughs> my English is bad. I'm sorry. That's what it was. That, bikers and motorcycles, I thought, were the same thing for a second. My apologies. Uh, another outing with the great Mahal brothers, which is cool. You know, love to see the Hawkman and the Mahals. Whenever you see the Mahals and Hawkman doing a project together, I know I get very excited. Very excited. I need napkins. You know what I mean? It's a very good thing. 
But uh, very, very happy to have you back. And uh, as always, looking forward to checking that flick out, brah. Checking that flick oh, yeah. out. Good, good to be back. You know, good to be, good to be had. He says. You know, Vegas is crying a little bit today. They don't got the big guy. Yeah. Um, next appearance out. Since we're talking real quick, you might as well before we start up the old uh, theme. I think this will come out in time for uh, the Boombastic Boys, the Dead of Winter Film Festival. Worcester, Massachusetts. You know, yeah. That's uh, February 25th, a Sunday. Uh, Mechanics Hall. Look at me. My memory is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be screening special treatment. The first time special treatment is played on, uh, you know, home home turf, you know, home soil. Um, so anybody out there that is local that wants to check that out, that might be one of uh, – I don't know, one of limited times to see it, you know. Uh, we just got accepted to another film festival in India. India people are loving us. It's fantastic. Uh, you, the people are, the people that are listening to this show live through Patreon are, uh, are getting that scoop for the first time. We won't even announce that to the, to the public for a couple of days, probably for a couple of days. You know what I mean? But yeah, definitely. If you're in the Massachusetts area or a surrounding area, you want to see the boom cast boys live in the flesh. You want to see the great Alexander Hawk act live in the flesh. You know, his film will be screening there. Uh, come on down. We also have Christopher J long, but giggles from the film. We got speaking of sheriffs. We got Ray Booten, the sheriff in the film. He's going to be there. And uh, special effects maestro Billy Coyne will be in the building as well as, you know, this chopped liver pile of shit over here. Matthew Fisher, the writer-director, will be in attendance. And uh, we have some glorious 11 by 17 posters uh, of the film. First time ever. Actually, we can't say that. The first time the poster was ever up on the on the table, I believe, was at the gathering last year. I believe mm-hmm. uh, the Mikey Bone Road art area was given away 17 each of the two different alternate posters for special treatment we will have the those those posters battled off and we have just one poster now one was uh victorious and that poster will be at the event you can have all those gentlemen that i listed before sign that bad mother trucker for you how how glorious is that i've even heard there's another kind of exclusive deal uh, the Dead Kids of Derry, you know, the rarity that everybody from the Dead Kids of Derry, all five members, will be in attendance. And uh, I heard rumor there will be a nice 8 by 10 perhaps, promo uh, for the show that uh, you will give, be given the opportunity to have all five people sign that promo, which I tell you, as a big fan of the Dead Kids of Derry, that's one thing I'm looking forward to, you know what I mean? So, hell yeah, again, Mechanics Hall. February twenty fifth, Worcester, Massachusetts, the Dead of Winter Film uh, Dead of Winter Horror Festival. My bad. Uh films are being played, a lot of vendors, a lot of cool stuff. Our friends have put it on. Uh we were at there the first year we played Insomniac. They took a little break because of the COVID times, but they're back in back in action and we bring special treatment to the Massachusetts soil for that night. So Alex, we're about to pop into the theme here. Now the theme we know everybody out there got a little, you know, you can maybe get some comfort food, you know, something you're feeling a little maybe homesick or just sick in general. You want to fucking feel better about things and you go, you know, what's going to make me feel better? You know, it's like 
I got these films on a shelf, you know what I mean? And, you know, certain of some of them, I, I enjoy them all for little reasons, all on their own. But some of those bad boys and bad girls, I love them to comfort me, like some comfort food. We call them comfort films. You know, these are films that you put on to kind of up your spirits or, you know, maybe you, you, you want to just throw something on in the background. You know what I mean? Uh, I know me and Alex both have. We could have wrote a list of 100 movies to talk about today, but we might possibly take this theme in volumes. You know what I mean? People like that sometimes. And uh, it gives us an opportunity to, to refresh, come back, come back new. You know what I mean? And build. Bill, that's what life's all about, building and growth. Um, but we're going to hit you all with five each today and talk a little bit why they're uh, comfort foods on us. And hopefully they're a little comfort for you, <laughs> for you. And we create a nice comfort episode for you in your in your, in your your comfort zone and everything's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Heck yeah, heck yeah. Beauty. Uh, glory, glory, glory. Um, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I can start if you want. All righty, Bubba. Okay. Now, these are in no particular order. Yeah. But uh, the first one I have down, uh, which is one of my favorite comfort films, is The Princess Bride. I knew that would be there. I knew that would be there. Um, I mean, I love this movie so much. It is it has some of the best lines, great actors, great characters, and... You know, it it's nice, it's lighthearted, and, I mean, a perfect example is, I mean, if you've seen the movie, and if you haven't, go go and uh, go and pick it up. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> but the best thing about that is, you know, you have the film, and it starts off, you have Fred Savage, he's, uh, he's a kid, he's obviously staying home sick. And his grandfather comes in, and he has a book, and, he, and which is called the fresh off, right? fresh off the Wonder Years, man. That, that that carried heat back in the day. People right now be like Fred Savage, what the kid from the Wizard? Nobody gives a fuck. But back <laughs> in the day, Fred Savage was the man. When the Wonder Years was on, he was the man. We only have issue because I used to see Winnie on the side. So <laughs> continue, my bad, my bad for going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, anyway, the, you know the grandfather's name. You know who that grandfather is. Yeah, right? the grandfather yeah. was Peter Falk. And he don't give a fuck. All right, brother. Yeah. Hit us with it. Well, anyway, yeah. the fact is you have you know, Peter Falk playing a grandfather. He comes in and he reads a book to his, his, his uh, grandson. And, of course, his grandson at first is kind of like, a book? What is this? I mean, um, it's not a movie. It's not a video game, you know. Um, and of course, he's like, you know, when I was younger, you know, movies were books, you know, and he starts reading it to his grandson. Now, that within itself makes this a comfort food because the story itself, you know, you have a bonding between the grandfather and the grandson. Okay. Right. You have a grandson, he starts off, he doesn't care. I mean, mm -hmm. he's like a book, you know, about, you know, oh, uh, uh, you know, giants and, and monsters and, and all this stuff. You know, he's like, you know, this isn't my thing. I like playing sports. I like playing video games. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, books are like uh, old-timer stuff. But as as the movie progresses, he becomes invested. He becomes to love the story. 
And there's that bonding between him and his grandfather, which is beautiful. And I mean, and that's just, you know, the bookend parts of the movie. I mean, the story itself with, uh, has great adventure, great comedy. And the thing is, I remember when I was sick, when I was a kid, I'd always put on Princess Bride because it made me feel good. It made me feel, you know, comforted. And uh, that's why it's uh, number one on my list right now. I support that. You know what I mean? Um, well, since you brought up the, the sickness, and we did bring up Dead Kids of Derry recently, I kind of have to add, do a little thingamajig of myself where I have to bring a film on my list called The Langoliers, which I know you're very familiar with. Yeah, Langoliers, that's, that's a good one. You know, from 1995 television movie, you know, and Balky Batakam is doing it big style. You know what I mean? Um, no director credited, which is very weird. There must be multiple uh, directors. Now, The Langoliers is definitely a film that I love to watch when I'm sick. You know what I mean? Because it's a lengthy, it's a lengthy fucking chunk of film. Was it like three and a half hours or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's in two parts. It's one of those ones that you can just kind of put on and fall asleep like multiple times and wake up to, you know what I mean? And it's always there comforting you, caressing your shoulder. Maybe you have to do a little vominos in a bucket, you know what I mean? Maybe you're lucky enough to have the energy to make your way to the bathroom to throw it up into a toilet bowl. Um, Tom Holland directed it. Uh, shout out Tom Holland, very cool. You know, probably most notably known for Fright Night and uh, Child's Play, I'd probably say. Um, yeah, but I, this is not the Tom Holland that we know with Spider-Man, just in case anyone was confused for a minute. Well, Tobey Maguire will always be my Spider-Man, but Tom Holland is always, both Tom Hollands are always welcome on the Boombasticast. So this is a show that whenever whenever this was on Sci-Fi Channel, and brother, it was on Sci-Fi Channel a lot. USA Channel got down with this. I almost feel like you'd probably catch us on like some TNT back in the day. But this was something that if it, if I seen it on, if I just seen it on, I would put it on in the, for background. And it's so weird, you know, Bronson Pinchot, your boy, I know you love him to death, me too. Him ripping the paper is just classic. You know, the, the, the ghouls, if you will, the monsters in it are like so weirdly caught in time. Like the film is, you know what I mean? Like the theme of the film, the, the CGI of it's like horrifying. It's, it's like the first day of like, uh, when it's like the day before they decided to create CGI. That's how kind of bad it is. And it's like, hmm. I've never, I've never read the Stephen King book. So I don't know how it's described. Uh, I'm sure that our pal James Lamond will be able to have a good description of how it's described uh, on a Dead Kids of Dairy episode of it uh, coming up. But yeah, they, they, they're they're really they're like balls with teeth. Not yeah, yeah, um, actually, I think uh, James Lamond actually referred to them as meatballs with teeth. Oh well, that's kind of yeah. So that's the, if that's the case. I mean, they did kind of look, that does kind of how they look. That is kind of how they look. Meatballs is kind of, are we talking like Jersey Shore meatball? Or are we talking <laughs> like just the food? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, the meat, the meatball aspect of it with it being meats more interesting. I almost get the vibe of them being like mechanical. 
they're like a weird, the CGI is really weird where you don't really quite know what you're dealing with in, in the Langoliers. But um, from that description, you know, with the meat, you almost take it as like a living entity. You know what I mean? That's running around eating things, which is kind of cool. But uh, I know you're a big fan of the Langoliers. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's definitely one that, you know, there's a lot of King movies that I, I, dude, we, I, don't, we, I don't even roll with cable anymore. I just do like the stream and stuff. But like back when we did cable, you'd roll flip to the channels and like you'd see you'd see you'd see like the Langoliers and you'd have to put it on. Same thing like Night Flyer. I'd put Night Flyer in that category too. They're very underrated. People love them. People hate them. Stephen King movies that aren't exactly even like Rose Red was a flick that I would kind of take a trip for when you're sick. Roll that on because that's actually pretty well done miniseries. And uh, I'll let you go into the next one because Rose Red is tied into my next film. Slightly. Okay. Um, yeah. The next one um, is my favorite Western, uh, Silverado. Oh, yeah. I I love this. It, it's funny because when this movie came out, yeah, um, the marketing department didn't know how to market it. They never do, brother. And they market it as a comedy. Yeah. And it's not a comedy. It is a drama. I had some funny parts into it. But it is a very powerful film about a group of guys that ended up through happenstance meeting and bonding together to fight against injustice. And... Any anyone who's watched like the Magnificent Seven or any any film when you have four or more guys yeah. that are walking towards you, okay, it gives you kind of this visceral feeling, this power, and 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 how they shot it with those four guys on horseback coming into Silverado, kicking ass, taking names, is very powerful. They got great lines in it. And I I ended up meeting Danny Glover, who was in in the film. Oh yeah, uh, at at a convention, I had him sign the picture from Silverado, and uh, and he said that Silverado was one of his favorite films as well. And um, what I love about that film, especially why I like putting it on when I need something to come with, is seeing. A film where you have a group of strangers that end up bonding mm. and deciding that honestly they could easily just you know walk away. I mean, they could just you know they don't. Some of them don't even have. I mean, uh, you know, any real reason to. They they could just keep going. They could just forget about this. But these four guys, you know, take it upon themselves to right the wrongs, and it's it's a very powerful movie. I really like it. It's 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 well shot. You got you got Jeff Goldblum. You got Scott Glenn. You got Kevin Jeff, Costner Jeff. in his first first film. Yeah, low uh, big role. His first that was his role. first big role, huh? Yeah, his first uh, big first role was this film. I'm. Kevin Klein, I know ah, that you know. Ah, I, I know Matt. Matt, Matt, don't Matt do has it. Don't do it. Kevin, 
I knew you were going to do it, dude. I knew you were going to. I had to. I was hoping you were going to fucking pump your brakes. Oh, come on. Kevin uh, Klein is awesome, man. You know it. You have to just admit it. Nah, dude. Nah, I can't. <laughs> He's, I'm the better man. Uh, yeah, I yeah. should have. I'm, I'm uh, sorry, but, but my pal is still hung up on Phoebe Cates. Phoebe was mine, and she still, she still should be mine. And I still see Phoebe from time to time, but... You know what yeah. I mean? That, that's uh, that's how it goes. But I mean, I yeah. love that movie. That is another movie that I can put up anytime. I know all the lines, but I still love it. And I will sit down, even if it happens to be on TV. I will sit down and watch it. It's a great film. Do you have the poster for that? Yep, I do. I do. I, I, uh, a friend of mine got it for me. I think. Oh, yeah. uh, I think uh, his name was um, like uh, uh, Fat Hugh. Uh, Batu. Uh, I thought that was a Buddy Butterfugo thing. <laughs> um, very cool poster. I'm not the, you know, when we come to when we come to some, you know, not classic western, but more modern westerns. I'd have to give it to the Quick and the Dead, brother. The Quick and the yeah. Dead, the Sam Raimi. Yeah, dude, the Sam Raimi venture. It's not your Quick and the Dead is okay. I mean, I never really got into it. I mean, I love Sam Raimi. It's just, I don't know, out of all his films, Quick and the Dead kind of led me, you know, I just felt uninspired by it. Well, you're a madman. I enjoy the Quick and the Dead a lot. I think it's it's almost like my guilty pleasure Western movie. That's what I was going for before I was rudely interrupted by Alexander Hope. Um, so next up for me, uh, keeping with, you know, the Rose Red thing, they're both directed by Craig R. Baxley, uh, who's done a lot, you know, a good, good amount of really cool stuff. It'd be a great guest for the Boombastic cast if you listen, Craig. I know you are, brother. Um, the Brian Bosworth, Lance Hendrickson, William Forsyth vehicle. You brought up an action movie, so I had to slap down the cards and bring up the fucking greatest action movie ever made, dude. Maybe not quite that. One of the greatest guy movies ever made cheese ball weirdo uh balls and brawn guy movie uh don't get better than stone cold not stone cold steve austin because the boss would cripple him i'm talking about stone cold kid all right this is a, a masterpiece of filmmaking dude and alex knows my love for this you know the great joe hoff Bosworth plays a, a cop who goes undercover to infiltrate this biker gang. It's a lot like Beyond the Law with um fucking AIDS boy. What's his name, dude? Fucking Charlie Sheen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, he got AIDS through drugs. Very terrible thing. Um, He has HIV, right? That was his deal? I thought so. Um, I think, uh, that did come out at some point. I don't know. He was doing needs. He had a need for the needs. I heard he was shooting needs, uh, needles, needle Walker. And it was, um, but, um, uh, beyond the law and stone cold, the plots are so fucking much alike. It's kind of ridiculous, but, uh, stone cold slightly better. And uh, you got to give it up to Lance Henriksen and William Forsyth though, slightly better because the boss was a football star turned actor. He did, he did like one man's justice. He did like a handful of like low budget action movies in the nineties and early two thousands that were like, you know, 
If anybody likes to partake in chemicals that alter their brain, it's definitely something you want to take a lot of those chemicals and watch the body of work of the boss. You'll, you'll, you'll have a whole new lease on life. You know what I mean? But like I said, he infiltrates this biker gang. Lance Henriksen's the leader. Probably one of the fucking my favorite things for both characters. The uh, uh, fucking Forsyth and Henriksen carry this movie. The boss is just a football player turned actor, and that's all he is. No offense to the boss. Uh, but trying to get the boss on the show for 20 years, so that probably won't help. But um, fantastic. You know, the, the, some of the best villains ever, dude. It's it's balls-to-the-wall, violent, vulgar, just all-around great film. I remember I stumbled into this film. Man, I think I've seen this when it came out, then it, then it lot, lot fell off my radar. No, actually, I got to go back. I never—I don't think I ever seen this when it first came out because when I stumbled into this, I was with a buddy and he was like, you never see the Stone Cold? And I was like, nah, dude. And we watched the VHS of it because it was hard to get the uh, the DVD, let alone a Blu-ray for a while, And uh, which I do have a, blue, a DVD signed by uh, Henriksen and For, uh, Forsyth, which is pimping. But um, I was so struck by like, having that i forgot i even had that dvd i gotta dig that out um to make sure that still exists somebody could have that that'd be very sad i almost want to stop the show now and look to make sure i have that (laughs) for real i don't know where that is um but that that was uh but very cool stone cold balls to the wall guy movie it's just guns drugs you know women fighting killing Mad, just mad men biker to like goes kind of into your thing with the bikers and the werewolves like <laughs> i hope the mall brothers watch them stone cold because you can't make a good biker movie if you don't have stone cold and beyond the liar in your blood while making it know what i mean heck yeah if i'm missing that dvd i'm gonna be super fucking bombed brother i gotta i'm gonna have to put that on when i get off here remind me to look for that because i haven't seen that in a bit and that thing was that was so glorious. I had that on display. Like that wasn't even with the DVDs. I was just like propped up somewhere. But what do you got up next for a film, Bubba? Um, next I got is Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, I mean, great film. I mean, it's another thing. I mean, the um, you got Harold Ramis. You got um. Uh, Bill Murray, you got Dan Aykroyd, you got Ernie Hudson. Hmm. Um, all four of them work so great together. And then, of course, you got you know Annie Potts, you got uh, Greg Moranis. I mean, I I gotta say it, it will always have a special place in my heart because it's the first movie that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Now you might be like Alex, it's a comedy. It's made for a comedy, you know. Yeah. I, I, but when I saw it, now I was born in 1981, so I think it came out like 1982 or, or something like that. I was very young when I saw it. I was a lot younger than I should have been when I saw it. Yeah. And um, those uh, those demon dogs scared the shit out of me. But um, but I know like every single line from that and. I just enjoy watching all all those great comic actors working together in their heyday, um, 
I mean, they've all done different comedies that are good and fun to watch. But Ghostbusters, I, I would have to say, is the best film that they that any of them were in, in my personal opinion. I agree. I mean, there's something about Ghostbusters. It just it, it encapsulates childhood almost. You have the zany. It's probably one of the best. If we were to make a list of like the most classic childhood films, Ghostbusters might have to be top three. Because it, at least for me, and I'm sure for you, it brings together so many cool things. You have the yeah. the comedy stylings of that group at the time. You have the elements of the supernatural, which I love. Um, you know, it sparked off. I got it, the biggest, two biggest franchises in my life, I'd have to say, is Ghostbusters and the Ninja Turtles. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, huge kudos to go. In part two, with some people who shit on part two, I love part two. I think it's yeah. great. I mean, honestly, and... I mean, they're doing another Ghostbusters that's coming out. Yeah. I mean, I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. It was okay. Mm. I mean, the first one and the second one will always be the best. The other ones are okay, but uh, they really don't don't connect with me. Yeah. No, I feel you on that, brother. Uh, my next film up, a film that, you know, it goes right back to the childhood since we're talking about childhood things. 1971, before I was born, believe it or not, brother. Um, do you know what film I'm talking about from that year? 1971, childhood classic. Mm. Oompa, Loompa, Doompa. Oh, Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka and the oh. Chocolate Factory, brother. Talk about comfort food. I could have that thing playing at my fucking wake. That's how comforting that movie is. You know what I mean? It's uh, Mel Stewart directed the Roald Dahl uh, book turned into a script. Yeah, Gene Wilder. I mean, is there is there more? If we were to put together a list of the most iconic images of characters from film, you've got to have Willy Wonka in there somewhere, brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lazy young, young grandpa, grandpa fucking Joe with uh, Jack Albertson dude doing it big. Yeah. You know what I mean? The kids were just around here recently, uh, like three of the kids at an Oompa Loompa. And uh, it was like an hour and a half drive away, and I contemplated taking the drive. They wanted 40 bucks ahead to get in, and they wanted fucking 40 bucks an, an autograph, a fucking autograph, brother. So I was like, I didn't want to take that journey all around. Peter Ostrom, he's like a lawyer now, or like, those. <laughs> Does people's taxes. I don't know. I don't know what his deal is. But yeah, dude, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you know, that's one. My Some of my earliest memories of, of movies, of renting movies, was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You know, when I was a, when I was a youngster, when I first started renting movies, it was... Uh, it was this movie, another movie that's on my list, and it was like animated movies, Disney movies and stuff. You know, that that's kind of what I, I got into, and then it kind of, we graduated up into more mature things. But uh, Willy Wonka will always be in my heart forever. And I wanted to go, so much so, I wanted to go check out the new one they got out, the prequel. I'll yeah. Probably, I mean, coming- I, 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 saw, I saw a little bit of it, and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't get behind it. My biggest problem is Hugh Grant as the Oompa Oompa. Hugh Grant? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to watch it no more then. I, dude, I can't do love, actually. I can't do Hugh Grant. My favorite Hugh Grant moment is him getting in trouble for getting, like, 
trans didn't he get a blowjob from like a, a trans hooker or something like that? Could be. There ain't nothing wrong with that. It's just funny that uh, he's such like a little petite, lanky little Englishman that's all, you know, proper and stuff. And the fact that he got caught getting headed in a fucking New York town from, uh, I believe it was a, I believe it was a, uh, it was a situation. I remember he went on like, went on like some talk show and they like made fun of him to his face. That was the best part. But uh, Hugh Grant, I regularly typically don't get into, but maybe if later in life I could like him because originally I didn't like um, Pierce Brosnan was a dude that never sat well with me. I watched The Matador, changed my entire fucking opinion of Pierce Brosnan. For real. That's kind of, I got to give kudos to that film because he's an actor that I never liked and I actually liked him after watching that flick. So you see, now we just have to find the movie with Kevin Klein that you'll watch and you'll love him in. Yeah, the movie with me and him fighting to the death of the cage. Just like, <laughs> just like Greg Kinnear. Don't like Greg Kinnear and anything he's ever done. But, oh, it escaped. Oh, man. Autofocus. There it is. Autofocus made me like Greg He Kinnear. was also in The Matador. Yeah, yeah, he was. So I got to give kudos to both. Um, but Pierce Brosnan shined hard in the Matador, dude. Like he, 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 he was on a different level where I could learn to appreciate him. Kinnear, I didn't really appreciate that much in the Matador because he was playing something that he played every time. And I guess you could almost say that for Brosnan, but there was something about the Matador performance that turned me around on him completely. And I don't do turnarounds that often. But uh, that was one. Just like the Colin Farrell dude. I never liked that Colin Farrell dude until he kind of, he went through a dark time. And I'm not wishing dark times on anybody or saying that it better is or whatever. But for some reason, dude, when he had that weird freak out, or he overdosed or something like that. And uh, he came back and he did those artistic movies. He did like... Um, he did the lobster. He did fucking um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I think is like one of the best movies in the last 10 years. If you haven't seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, woo, do yourself a solid. Go grab that flick for sure. That director was popping, doing great shit for a while. He kind of lost it. He did that, the favorite movie, which lost me a little bit. <clears throat> but The Lobster is a good flick. And, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer is phenomenal. That was a movie that I remember when I seen that. I pulled you over to watch, right? I haven't watched that. I know that you oh, really? bring it up. Yeah, Every you bring it up to me. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. Uh, back in the day when me and Alex were close friends, whenever we'd come <laughs> to a movie that we that we thought the other one would love, it'd be like, all right, movie time. We'd call it. We'd call a movie, and I know like Green Room was like that, where it was like you gotta see this movie. Drive was like that. It was like you gotta see this movie. Yeah. And uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, I thought I brought you over for that, too, but I could be wrong. But uh, I can bring the audience into it. So definitely those three movies I just said that you should definitely see, Green Room, Drive, and Killing of a Sacred Deer. If anybody listening has never seen those three movies, go see those three movies or whichever one you're missing. Hell, rewatch the other ones, too. So what do you got up next, Alexander the Hook? Next, I got Lady Hawk. Ooh-y. Now, those who might or might not know, Lady Hawk stars Rutger Hauer, yeah. uh, Matthew Broderick, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, Alfred Molino's in it, I believe, in a sh- small role. Very fun, very fun. 
Um, but I love the movie. It is yeah. uh, the story about a um, two lovers uh, that are cursed by a uh, jealous bishop who makes it that during the day, Michelle Pfeiffer is transformed into a hawk. And at night, Rutger Hauer, her lover, is transformed into a wolf. Yeah. So that they're always together, but eternally apart. It is by far one of the most heartbreaking love stories ever created. Directed by Richard Donner. And it was funny because Richard Donner even made a comment that he does not like fantasy films. But yeah. when this came up, he looked at it as a, a, a romantic drama. And that's what he focused on, was the relationship, the, you know, the struggle between these two characters. And, and also, as far as I'm concerned, um, going with what Matthew uh, said, I do not, by a rule, like Matthew Broderick. I don't find him really good. Yeah. But I do say that I think his best part was Philip the Mouse in Lady Hawk. Because I thought he was, he was funny, he had great lines, and he helped uh, make the movie even better. But most of the other films I've seen him in, I just find him very tedious and annoying. He's, uh, Broderick's a weird, he's like an acquired taste. I like Ferris Bueller, of course. Maybe it's we got so much of him uh, with the Bueller, because Bueller's so iconic. But I, I like Ferris Bueller. I know a lot of people that don't like Ferris Bueller. I, I actually like him in Ferris Bueller, which I know a lot of people that did, I know people like the movie that fucking hate him in the movie. Just something about the movie they like. But I like him in the movie. Uh, he was good in election. You know, he, there are certain things that he pops up in that he's good in. But then, like, but really, he is kind of overrated. He's got to be used right. You know what I mean? Um, he has, like, some weird dark history, too, that I won't get into because I don't know the deal details, too. But I'm pretty sure that he he was involved in something in, like, the early 2000s. I, I think that I can spe- I speculate somebody yeah. ended up not alive because of yeah, some Yeah, if I accident. remember correctly, it was a car accident, and uh, he walked away, and the other person didn't. It was, uh, like, celebrity death match, they said. Was the other guy Paul Walker? <laughs> no, not that I know of. No, no, no. But, but, but yeah, I love Lady Hawk. It's um, great actors, great action. And if you love fantasy films, especially from the 80s, it is definitely one of the best. It's got a good soundtrack to it, too. I, I own the soundtrack. I don't know if I own the actual film. Actually, I do. I own it on VHS. But I know, I know I definitely own the soundtrack. Not mean. Heck yeah. Um, the I checked my list real quick, and the other movie that I from childhood that I thought was on my list, I did. I, I took it off the list and put something else there, so I'll just bring it up. Will uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and The Wizard of Oz are uh, were always heavy rental rotation, heavy rental rotation. You know what I mean. Very heavy rental rotation. Um, I got a dark fun fact about Willy Wonka that I won't, I won't, I won't share. I can only share with my therapist. (laughs) He trusts you in the wrong place. Therapist meetings. (laughs) I go and I sit with my therapist, and I play with the GI Joe action figures that she keeps in the safe. I'm just having a mental flashback. Wait a second. 
Uh, next up for me, uh, there's these two, you know, they're two nineties comedies that people might not remember, but the nineties is, is comfort for me in general. I think that whole era, there's something about that growing up in it, really enjoying the films of it, really kind of probably sparking being the inner spark of me wanting to do, you know, movies and stuff like that. I'm sure it comes from like it's eighties and nineties all day long. It definitely ain't 2010s and up. Um, for shizzle, but I just wanted to bring up a film called Big Bully, brother. All right, are you familiar with Big Bully? Um, the name sounds familiar, but I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not thinking of who's in it. Who's in it? All right, there. The big Rick Moranis and Tom, your boy Tom Arnold. Ah, okay, okay. Now, this is a movie that I would have on heavy rotation in the background. And it's it's a very weird film. Uh, I remember the DVD itself. It was back when the DVDs were cardboard before they went to the plastic case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rick Moranis, it's it's a fun one. Rick Moranis plays a dude that, you know, he he's going through school. He's kind of the nerdy dude, hates life, of course. He's bullied. And he moves away from the, the small town, becomes an author. Uh, comes back home to teach, brings his kid with him, who's kind of like a troubled kid trying to put him on the straight and narrow, figuring if I take him out of the city and bring him to the suburban life, he'll kind of straighten him out. When he goes back, he finds out the school bully is the, uh, I believe, the gym teacher at mm-hmm. high school. So now he has to deal with the bully and he... The gym teacher has like this really despicable, lonely, like fucking pathetic life that they paint for Tom Arnold. Mm-hmm. And um, so he just like falls back into like bullying to make himself feel better. And um, it's just a wild and crazy, weird movie. Um, but I love, you know, Tom Arnold, your boy, um, future guest on the Boom Basticast. Um, always fun, dude. Love them on Roseanne, the stupids, you know, whenever the he pops up, it's always fun times. You know what I mean? True romance, uh, true lo- uh, fucking lies. Just great. You know what I mean? But yeah, big bully. My goodness. You're looking for some nineties cheese comedy that that's like nineties cheese family comedy. You know what I mean? Um, Big bullies got what got what you're looking for. You know, it was okay for Rick Moranis to retire because he gave us some masterpieces. You brought up Ghostbusters, brother. I'm bringing up two lost gems. My other film, the last film that I have, also has Rick Moranis in it from the '90s, which is Devastation. You know what I mean? Pure devastation. But uh, you've never seen Big Bully? Oh uh, no, no, I don't think I have. I think I heard of the a name, the title, but I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen it. Next time we get together, we got to pour a bucket of chemicals on our brain and have a double feature of Big Bully in my last film. And uh, you'll never, you'll be walking different the rest of your life. You'll never, you'll never come back from that viewing. Special treatment. It's like special treatment in itself. But yeah, Big Bully is a lot of fun. And, uh, Rick Moranish is tries to, he tries to be like the, the cool nerd type deal. Um, and it's like the life lesson about how, you know, the bully kind of realizes that he was a dingleberry because he hates life. You know, it's funny that like back in the day, it was more raw in your face. Like, oh, I'm, I'm a bully because my life sucks. You know, like the end of the movie is like, oh, I'm a bully because I hate my life. You know what I mean? It's all a full circle, like store, like, uh, morale tale. Um, but I love big bullies. Classic, classic. What you got up next, Bubba Gump? 
Well, the last one that I got. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Is Osnick and Old Lace. Oh, yeah, brother. Now, that's an old one. Uh, That's uh, with Cary Grant and Peter Lorre. Great movie from the 40s. Um, It was uh, a play first before it made it into a movie. And it's funny because it was uh, was said in, in a few interviews that Cary Grant always uh, disliked his performance in Austin in all ways. And the reason was that he thought he did it over the top. But what made the movie, what was great, was him going over the top. And it's, it's, it's a fun, macabre tale. You got these two sweet aunts that are killing off old, old men because they think, uh, old, lonely men because they, don't seem to have anyone in life anymore, and they consider it a service. Yeah. And then um, there's a uh, the uh, there's two brothers. One thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. Another one is a homicidal maniac that looks like Boris Karloff. So, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's another movie I know all the lines to, and it's it's always com- comforting. Just put it on. See Cary Grant, you know, hamming it up, and uh, all the classic actors working together. For sure. I wanted to say something about Big Bully real quick that I forgot. You know, that was directed by Steve Miner, which there was a time when there was like these these people that were they came from almost ho- bigger horror movie um, backgrounds and went forward. Like Steve Miner was one he did. Like he directed, I think, um, Friday Thirteenth Part Two and Three. He did, um, what did he do? He did, um, there was an, a house, he directed House, the horror movie. He's almost in the same category as like a Tommy Lee Wallace, who kind of was like an understudy of John Carpenter. But then he went off to do directing stuff too. Like he directed it. He directed, um, he directed um, uh, Halloween 3. He directed Dennis the Menace, the Walter Matthau uh, vehicle. That Dennis the Menace, which I appreciate. I should put yeah. that on. That right there is a comfort film. Dude, like the the the, the Walter Matthau Dennis the Menace movie is fucking <laughs> awesome, dude. Are you kidding me? I and Christopher Lloyd. You can't forget and Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd, dude, in one of his darkest roles ever, brother. Uh, cutting the apple in front of the kid, dude. Loving it. Loving it, dude. I, that is a guilty pleasure. We got to do guilty pleasure movies. Maybe we have before. I think we might have, and I brought it up. No, yeah, we, I think we have. Yeah, and I brought that up because that's fun times. But yeah, Steve Miner, uh, fantastic. I just want to do a shout out to Steve Miner's career. Dude who came from, I forget what he did on the original Friday the 13th. He might have been second unit um, under Sean Cunningham, or he could have been. I forget what he played in it, but then he followed up, directed part two and three. They gave him House, Soul Man. You remember that? Oh, yeah. You know, he did he did nine episodes of the Wonder Years to go back to Fred Savage. He did Warlock, who we just lost the, the star of that, rest in peace. Um Forever Young with Mel Gibson, My Father the Hero, remember that? Um uh, yeah, Big Bully, the classic, classic, and uh the practice did some television show, did Halloween H two O, like Placid. Um, just all over it, you know, did some Smallville, just killing it, dude. You know, you got to give big kudos to that. When I think of people like him, I, I think of people like uh, Scott Spiegel, you know, from the Evil Dead camp. 
He was a dude that started directing as well. He did Intruder, which is a fucking awesome horror movie. You got Josh Becker, which uh, I think he did Thou Shall Not Kill. He was from, like, the Sam Raimi camp. I always think it's cool when you see, like, there's, like, a a big filmmaker, like a John Carpenter or Sam Raimi, you know what I mean? Uh, Sean S. Cunningham, even though Sean S. Cunningham is directing, he did a few films, but I don't think he ever really had kind of... Unless he wants to be on the Boombasticast. I don't think he really had the career of a John Carpenter. Um, I, I almost kind of put him in a category of like uh, a Tommy Lee Wallace or, you know what I mean, or a Steve Miner type category. Um, but he's done a good handful of, of, of notable flicks that I appreciate. So I'm not shitting on Cunningham by any means, even though he doesn't like horror movies. And as far as <laughs> strictly just for making money. Uh, and it was a fluke success. But that's that's that. Um, is it my turn to get into my last Rick Moranis vehicle that I find pleasure in? Yeah, I think so. All right. Do you know what film I could be talking about? Huh. Um, Nineteen ninety-four. Star he, he uh, Rick Moranis stars alongside a gentleman that I love forever. Te- you know. He's no, he's very, he's probably known for playing a TV character in the '90s that is probably the most memorable TV character from the '90s. A dark comedy show, um, a show that was cheated out of, uh, and they were canceled, even though they were killing it. And that's why there'll never be a reunion of that show because this gentleman and other people on the cast feel they got slighted, and that reunion would be. Buku views, Buku dollars. Probably one of the, when you think of show, well, one of the actresses is kind of unfortunately dealing with some health issues right now. But when you think of television shows that have all the members alive that could come back and you want to talk about a show that would kill it, like Roseanne, the Connor show before they killed off Roseanne was, was, was <laughs> killing it, dude. I was loving it. I was digging it. I love the original Roseanne. This show would be bigger than Roseanne if they brought it back. You know what I mean? But the name of the movie I'm talking about is Little Giants. Oh, yeah. Okay, I forgot about that. All right. The gentleman I'm talking about, Ed O'Neill, married with children. If if they brought back, if they did a reunion of married with children where they brought back all those people to be the Bundys, that would be like printing, get the old set. You shoot it the old way. You just give modern, like more modern obstacles and themes, dude. I think people would eat that up. But unfortunately, I believe Christine Applegate is uh, having some health issues right now. Send out our love uh, to Kelly Bundy for sure. But Little Giants, love it. Also, another one of those weird, quirky '90s uh, movies. Uh, like I said, starring Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis, their brothers. Um, I believe, uh, Al, Al Bundy's character is like, he owns like a big car dealership in the, in the, in the town. He's like the big deal. And the brother is like kind of a nobody type deal. They've always had brotherly, you know, um, rivalry type stuff. And, uh, Rick Moranis, daughter wants to play football and she doesn't make the team. So he decides the coach kind of like the, the, the bad news bears, if you will. It's kind of like the bad news bears, but with football as opposed to baseball. Um, that's really a great description of it. And, um, 
very fun characters, you know, you, all the kids are all, everybody knows the kids from the 90s, you know what I mean? We grew up watching them. We know their faces from back in the day. Um, they're all in there. All those kids are in there. And uh, just a very cool flick, very cool flick. But you've never seen it, and, and, you know, it's um, an un- I, 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 I've I seen it, but it's been a long time. I mean, I know that I, I saw that. I remember the whole, uh, you know, the uh, going back and forth between Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis. There was a point where Rick Moranis' character calls up um, uh, because he sees that O'Neill is, is spying on his team. So yeah. he takes one of the kids with him. And he goes, he calls up the uh, cops, and he's like, oh, um, I don't want to alarm anyone, but I think there's a guy, you know, peeving on a uh, yeah. a, a, um, uh, a young football team. And then he uh, motions to the little kid, like, oh, yeah, and he makes me feel so uncomfortable. He told me to touch his naughty place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, hung up, and then, of course, the cops come, and they take out uh, Ed O'Neill. Yeah. Ice box, you know what I mean? It's uh very cool, very cool flick. I like this this flick a lot. You know, Ed O'Neill's a really good actor. You know, people don't you know I think as soon as Al Bundy took off, it almost wiped out his whole arc his whole like archive of work before it, but he was doing some really cool shit. You know, he's uh I always remember Popeye Doyle, of course. I always remember him in um, Ford Furling, the Adventures of Ford Furling, the Dice movie, where him and Dice go back and forth. Really, you're you 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 are a jack off. That's what I think of you. You, um, they have a great repertoire going back and forth together. Uh, Ed O'Neill, man, really good stuff. He's some fun, weird. He's quite a character, man. And him playing pissed off, like nobody does pissed off grumpy better than ed o'neill whether you're being a, a, a al bundy aggravated or you're being some 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 towny football coach being aggravated because you're not going to win the game or whatever you're going to be ed o'neill's the man and uh we would love to get ed o'neill on the boom cast bet your buttons on that baby but yeah for shizzle for sure uh, definitely you pour, you pour like some special treatment amount of chemicals on your brain and you want to have a double feature of little giants and big bully. You might have to go to the hospital after something like that. You might not be able to survive something like that. That could be the nether void. You know what I mean? But you had, you know, Devon Saya was in that from like the final destination flicks yeah. of Shauna Waldron, which we don't see that much anymore. Very, you know, very unfortunate. Sam Horrigan, um, very good look. Sam Horgan has uh, a great look. He looks like someone that would be crazy. Looks like someone that might, might, you know, I don't want to speculate. I can't go there. We we got in trouble last time we speculated. But this goes, this is right up there with fucking Angels in the Outfield, Rookie of the Year, the Mighty Ducks, you know what I mean? These like teenage kid sport comedies from the 90s that were fantastic. You know what I mean? You can even throw even throw heavyweights in there. You know what I mean? Heavyweights is fucking. It's not really Camp Nowhere. Heavyweights isn't like an athletic movie or Camp Nowhere, but like they're right in line with these other films. Did you get down with Angels in the Outfield and Rookie of the Year? Oh, yeah, I loved Angels in the Outfield. I mean, it was a lot of fun. 
And, and of course, I mean, I always have a soft spot for Christopher Lloyd. So anything he's in, I'm, yeah. I'm, I already bought the ticket. You got the kid in King Arthur's court, which is like rookie of the year too. Yeah. Medieval times. Um, yeah. It's one of them things, you know, who knew he would grow up to be one of the stars of American pie. Who knew brother? Who knew? You know, it's almost like the Sandlot, you know. Yeah. Talked to the Redhead recently about appearing on the Boombasta cast. We'll see if we make it happen for him. Oh, that would be nice. Little You're big killing league. me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. Little Big League. Another fucking weirdo. You know, Little Big League rookie of the year, dude. Angels, and that's a triple threat of, you know, you got two buckets of, of heavy dose chemicals to pour on your brain. You're going to have yourself a good triple feature with that. You know what I mean? Heck yeah. You can't beat it. You got the big green. You remember the big green, brother? The soccer one? That had, the, that had our redheaded friend in it? No, I don't. Yeah, the dude, the kid from the Sandlot did a soccer movie called The Big Green. It kind of squared off against Ladybugs, which, lay, dude, Ladybugs with Dangerfield, the late Brent, Jonathan Brandis and the late Rodney. Masterpiece, dude. That movie's ahead of its time. And then some. You know what I mean? That's a... Ladybug. I even have a poster for Ladybugs. That's how fantastic Ladybugs is. But there has never been a better soccer movie made than Ladybugs. And maybe one of these days we'll do an argument. We'll, we'll break it down. What's the, of all the sports? What are the best movies from baseball, football, soccer, hockey? I like that idea. That's going to be a future Boombastic Boombasticast episode. So that kind of wraps it up with you too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's all that's- that I have right now. Well, this was a lot of fun, man. You know what I mean? As usual, well, you know, um, thank everybody for listening. Do you know when you, you just did an interview recently too, right? I believe you're going to be doing it tomorrow, uh, two days, but it will be out before this episode pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Want to give any info? People can check that. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, give me a second. Uh, so I can bring up. Uh, unfortunately, I don't remember the guy's name. Well, will, you, will you be sharing it on the Boombasticast page or maybe the Alexander Hawk fan page, which everybody should definitely get out there and give that a support out there on the book. If, they, if, if they're booking people, show the Alexander Hawk some support, ladies and gentlemen. The dude's killing it. It, it, it's, it ain't hard to tell, brother. It ain't hard to tell. Hawkman's flying all over the fucking world, dude. Acting, doing it big, working with big name actors that we fucking grew up watching. That's success. That's doing it. I'm very proud of you, Alex. It's always thanks, a- man. Yeah, always- uh, the guy who's going to interview me is Travis Bruce. Um, uh, he has a, a podcast. He interviews a lot of uh, actors and and people involved in um, independent horror films. So I'm going to be uh, jumping on and doing that 9 p.m. tomorrow. At least uh, that's that's the Wookiee plan. So we'll uh, do that. I'll be posting it on my Facebook, on you know, Boombastic Media, and all places. And you'll be you'll be talking about all the glorious projects with the Boombastic cast. The oh, yeah. Hollow. We got the Wicked Hollow shooting right now. Woo! knee deep in it uh we actually just started shooting footage for a new we're doing a documentary on peter mcneely the hurricane the boxer um that's fun we just shot uh the first interview for it and uh, in the can so that's glorious doing that and uh yeah again 
dead of winter. If you're in uh, the Massachusetts area, February 25th, the Dead of Winter Horror Festival, Mechanics Hall in Worcester, Massachusetts. I believe it is either within the DCU Center or very close to the DCU Center. But uh, you can Google that. You can GPS that. They'll figure it out for you. But uh, glory, glory, you know, and uh, this was a good one. I feel fully comforted from this episode. How about you? I feel good. I feel good. That's what we like to hear. Right, so get out to uh, Dead of Winter. Check out the the Boombastic Cast Boys and the rest of the Boombastic family, and you can check out special treatment screening in Massachusetts. As of right now, one night only. So get over there, see it, be it, believe it, be merry, have fun. And uh, thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, check out more episodes wherever you heard this one or watch this one. If you watched it, you're on our Patreon, which means you're already doing the best thing a human could ever do, supporting the boom. And uh, if you're listening audio-wise, you're still doing pretty good. We still love you. Thank you for that listen. Uh, and if you could give a little, just give a little, uh, help help oil the machinery of the Boombastic cast and all the fanglorious boombastic media network podcast shows check them out like i said i give you the pitch you swing hit put it out of the park put your money in the patreon page it's a fantastic thing the one cool thing about uh the patreon page is that you yes you are allowed to subscribe you anybody out there listening right now you can do it you don't have to be any type of law degree you don't need anything like that you could just go do that today at Boombastic Streaming, Boombastic with two O's on the Patreon page. Patreon.com, Boombastic Streaming. Get in there. If you like the podcast, you can get every, not just the guest episodes of Boombastic Cast, every single episode that we record, you get the video of, much like every episode on the network. The only thing you're catching for free is audio episodes, baby. You want them vid, you got to go to the paywall, but we appreciate it. Very cheap, very fair prices, very fair prices. The price of a coffee for buying a Alexander a coffee, you could be tuned in and tapped on, brother. So, with that being said, we always love you. Be good and uh, be good to each other, right? That's how it goes. Heck yeah. All right, roll that beautiful sound. Peace. Peace. Peace.